0: Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. I have a longtime friend on the show, Carlos Chisora, who's president and CEO of the New York Building Congress. The New York Building Congress is a broad-based membership association committed to promoting the growth and success of the construction industry in New York City. The organization includes members from across the building community and provides a unique forum to advance an industry-wide agenda focusing on economic and infrastructure investment, job creation, and professional exchange. Prior to joining the Building Congress, Carlo was president and CEO of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce. Carlo also served both as chief of staff and general counsel to the great one and only Brooklyn Borough President Marty Markowitz for nearly five years before leading the Brooklyn Chamber. A graduate of both Pace University and Pace Law School, Carlo owned a thriving solo practice law firm in Diker Heights, prior to joining the borough president's office. Born and raised in Bensonhurst, Carl is a lifelong Brooklyn resident who currently lives in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, with his daughter, Teresa Rose. Carl, great to have you on, man. Thanks so much.
1: Josh, it's great to be here. Great to see you. Uh, We we go way back, and uh, I was excited meeting, I remember the first time you and Vicki at the Queen Restaurant
0: Yes, well, I remember it well.
1: Started making making entrees into uh, Brooklyn and particularly southern Brooklyn and Bay We hit it off a long time ago. Well,
0: you know, you've done so much with, with economic development and politics. You know, I think anyone that was active in the business community in, in your previous uh, career with the Brooklyn Chamber you know, really knew about you and you took it to great heights. You really, you grew membership to all time high. You developed a lot of tremendous programming, but I think most importantly, you got people from all over the city to to work together. And I'm just curious, you know, not just that, but obviously all the, the work you did with Borough Hall, but how did that lead you to your current career and your current role? You
1: know, I, I think you said it best. One of the things I was Good at, and I think it's one of my strong suits, is bringing people together and getting people from really across the city, diverse backgrounds, diverse ideas, diverse ways of thinking to really come together for the greater good of New York City, of economic development, of business growth. Um, and I think that's what uh, excited me about taking my role at the chamber. And really using what I learned in Brooklyn and taking it citywide and really statewide with the building Congress. And, uh, five years later, uh, one of the best decisions I ever met, as much as I miss Brooklyn and being in Brooklyn every day, I think running an organization like the building Congress, whose role is not just New York City, the five boroughs, but really the state, the region and national, uh, is great. And it's wonderful to, bring people together for the common good of building New York. And you know, whatever you build is about people. It's about people going to school, children going into new schools. It's about uh, you know, you've got the Brooklyn Bridge behind you. It's about infrastructure. Yep. It's about rebuilding our roads, our subways, our tunnels, our water infrastructure, our broadband. I mean, we build everything that everybody uses. And, when you get to touch every piece of the puzzle, it becomes even more exciting.
0: Yeah, and building and development is just a huge part of the overall economy, economy of the city and state. But tell us a little bit about what your role is as far as the building Congress is concerned. Like, what is the, the, the biggest driver of your role for your members?
1: So look, we are, we are the advocates for infrastructure. We are the people that talk about building New York. We are the group that says, hey, folks in Washington, that's an infrastructure though We need the money. Uh, and more importantly, we're then the people that, when the money gets to New York, our members build every project. So we advocate for the money. We advocate how to spend it. We advocate for smart buildings, for green buildings, for building for climate change we building for how New Yorkers get around, for are spending money uh, inclusively and in a diverse manner throughout the borough. Uh, so we're really the advocate. We bring the industry together. And, you know, one of the things that I think makes us unique is we've got everybody at the table. So, you know, I would tell the story if you're building a building, well, who's at the table? The owner, the developer, the contractor, the engineer, the architect the lawyer, the lobbyist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We bring them all together for the table. So we're uniquely poised to bring together an industry that's really uh the backbone of New York. We represent over three hundred thousand uh people in the industry. We've got hundreds and hundreds of members. Uh our top members are building not just in New York, but they're building in California and Texas and Puerto Rico, and Germany, and Dubai, and Australia, and China. I mean, we're, we're like, we're doing everything everywhere.
0: I love it. I love it. You touched on the National Infrastructure Bill a little bit. Everybody's watching Washington for that. Obviously, it's a major agenda item for the president. But what what would that mean for New York City particularly?
1: Look, it would, you know, it's a 10, think about this, John. It's a 10-year Infrastructure bill is over a trillion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. New York will see billions and billions and billions of dollars to rebuild airports, finish the Second Avenue subway, build the Gateway tunnel, rebuild Penn Station. One of the most important things, help rebuild NYCHA and put money into NYCHA, mm-hmm. put money into schools put money into health care, uh, maybe actually finally get a new book of Queens Expressway that I know we've all been talking about, but uh, with Senator Schumer as majority leader, and billions of dollars, this could be the moment. So This is real money for real people in New York. We'll create billions and billions of dollars of economic activity, create hundreds of thousands of jobs over the next 10 years, And you know, I, I put my, my hat on from running a chamber for a minute. You know, one of the things we heard, at least I heard from friends of mine that own pizzerias and delis and different types of small businesses who would call me during the pandemic to say, let's get things moving. And I would say, look, you know what? I don't really represent that small business anymore. And they say to me, but you do. Because when your industry stops working in New York City, we don't have hundreds of people buying two slices of pizza and a soda. We're not selling 500 bagels a day or rolls or sandwiches, and it goes on and on. So This is an industry that's not just putting people to work in construction and engineering and architecture. It's still, it keeps the restaurants open, it keeps the diners open, the pizzerias open. The bars open. I mean, you get it, right? It's people that spend money every day in New York City. So the, the hundreds of thousands of jobs will spill over into more.
0: Yeah, it's a whole trickle down onto uh, many it's people, down. many industries. Okay. 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 So obviously, everything hit the brakes during the pandemic, including construction and, and all different types of projects that, that you're involved in. What, what's the current outlook and what are you hearing from your members?
1: So, look, you know, uh, we, had a, we had a couple of months of stoppage, although essential construction continued, but we were the first part of the uh, economy that reopened, which is amazing. I'll, I'll give you some numbers which are interesting. You know, challenges of 2020, of course, but the building industry is honestly back and really poised for the New York City's recovery. We put out a report, Josh, a few weeks ago called the New York City Construction Outlook 2021 to 2023. Think about this. More than $174 billion. That is $174 billion will be spent on construction in the next three years. $174 billion. That does not take into account the billions of dollars that we can get from the federal. Infrastructure fund. Mm. In reality, in the next three years, you could be looking at $180, $185 billion spent just in the five boroughs on construction projects. Game changing, game changing, um, and an opportunity to put people to work in great middle class jobs with benefits and uh, a real focus on their future. And it's an exciting moment. It really is.
0: Those are mind boggling numbers, but but great to hear that there is investment like that being forecast.
1: Yeah, the forecast is good.
0: You know, just a few weeks ago, I was speaking with Jessica, who's with the Nature Conservancy about climate change and the need for preparedness. And obviously, a lot of that's going to come down to how things are built. How are you guys thinking about that in terms of New York City?
1: Before I answer that, I just got a perfect example. So Sicily, where, you know, I'm a proud son of Sicily, immigrants, uh, had some torrential rainstorms in the last few days. Mm. It has crippled most of the island. Roads are down, bridges are down, people are flooded, deaths, etc. I bring that up to remind our listeners that climate change is not something of the future. Climate change has happened yesterday. So it's no longer a problem of today. It's a problem that happened already. So whatever we do now is merely catching up. That's it. And that's one of the reasons that we have been very clear. We have been very determined that everything we are building moving forward has to, has to be ready for climate change, has to be ready. To withstand storms. We just had a storm a couple of weeks ago, two months ago, maybe, Hurricane Idaho. Mm -hmm. Think about what it did to New York City. We were not prepared. Our our subways are not prepared. Our infrastructure is not prepared. The waterfront in New York City is not prepared. Uh, You have a bad rainstorm, the FDR is undrivable. It's underwater. So the future leaders, whether it's the governor, the mayor, People in Washington have to sit with our industry and say, what do we need to do? How do we need to build better to ensure that we're ready for the storms of the future? And you know, when we talk about the storms of the future, Josh, they're happening now. They're no longer 100 year storms, 50 year storms. They're not even 10 year storms. Uh, you know, Superstorm Sandy happened 10 years ago. Next year it will be 10 years. How many storms have we had since Sandy? Have we learned our lesson? now? we are still not ready. We're still not resilient. And I think everything that our industry does moving forward has to be prepared for resilience.
0: Yeah, I was just talking to some of my staff from this uh, last storm that their homes were, you know, underwater, and they had oh, never right. ever been underwater. But you know, the sewer systems are getting overwhelmed. The basic infrastructure. Absolutely. So
1: they. But- basically- People, people forget it's nightlife. I love a shiny new building just like everybody else I want a new airport. I want a new Penn Station. These are all critical, important projects. That we do. But we also have to make sure, are our sewers ready for this? Is the underground infrastructure of New York City ready? Are the water mains able to support this type of climate change that is now happening? These are
0: things we need to invest in today, really today. You know, not just the way things will be built now and into the future, but what type of incentives do you think can be put into place to potentially help existing land and building owners to convert to being more green or, you know, better for the environment? Are there incentives that you think can be offered or created or should be thought about in terms of that?
1: Look, I, I think as we move forward, all buildings and building owners and developers should be giving the incentive to do more green, to do more open space, to do even more of that. So that's important. I think as you build the materials we're using, the way we're designing things, there's got to be an incentive system from the government and also from the private sector uh, that will make people understand we got to build differently. It's really all about building for these next things that will happen.
0: You know, you've always been in tune with uh, the political environment in New York City and state. And, you know, I assume your new role, that's a probably critical component of that is to to really um, be in tune with what's going on. And obviously, November 2nd is an election. Most of the, the city government is going to be turning over and I'm just, uh, would love to hear your thoughts on, on what you feel A, should be their priorities, because certainly I'm sure there's a lot um, on the agenda. And secondly, just what are your other feelings of, you know, some of the new leadership that's likely to come in?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'm excited about the leadership. I think um, Eric Adams will be one of our finest mayors ever. I really believe that. I think he will do an incredible job. I think we'll have a new speaker of the council uh, we will have 37 new members of the council, uh, four, five new, four new borough presidents. But if you count Donovan Richards, who was only elected a few months ago, really five new borough presidents, it is a mo- and, and change in Albany. Uh, it's a good thing. It's a time for all of us to hit the reset button. Number one priority, job growth. That's it. Create jobs. Create economic development. Bring people back to work, uh, clean up the city, uh, get you know graffiti off the walls, trash off the streets, make it into the livable city. We know it is. Bring down crime, and the most important thing, jobs. So let's have an economic development agenda that starts with rebuilding our infrastructure. If the city's capital budget, if the MPA's capital budget. If the Port Authority's capital budget, if the state capital budget, the Albany's capital budget is as robust as it should be, we would be creating hundreds of thousands of new jobs each year. We'd have new schools, new subway stations, uh, new parks, new infrastructure. It, it, it could just be a moment in time where New York is just rebuilt from the ground up. And that's how you get people to come back to the city and rebuild the city and great jobs and everything that goes.
0: with it. Yeah. It's like back to the basics, right? People want to put food on the table and not have to worry about the roof over their head basics to start everything else. So there's been a lot of development. I feel like during the pandemic, because I feel like, you know, recently I was walking around and I was like, wow, where'd that come from? Where'd that come not, from? What, what projects would you say you're excited about, whether it's ones that have recently completed or anything coming up? Is there anything you could share with our listeners in terms of projects?
1: I think look, it excited me to see one bandit building, the new tall building next door to Grand Central, open during the pandemic. Mm
0: -hmm. Open
1: during the pandemic. That was a major concept for New York. Manhattan West, which is the project adjacent to Hudson Yards. Incredible that this thing opened a month ago and everything next door. LaGuardia Airport, almost ready and almost open, right? Moynihan Station opened last January. I mean, the thing that went on, even during one of the greatest pandemics, when I say greatest, I mean the worst pandemic, but the greatest uh, number of people out of work, economic disparity, dealing with racial and social justice. Everything happened all at once. And yet, somehow, we continue to put people to work. We opened up new buildings. We opened up new open space. We're planning for the future. So things are moving. It doesn't matter. Things are still moving.
0: Yeah, it's important for people to hear that so they understand that, you know, what people are investing in New York City and life is moving forward.
1: Listen, and, and when you look at the future, the investments of the future are tremendous. You look at what continues to happen in Brooklyn, uh, new, new buildings going up, uh, new investments in medical facilities and universities. NYU in the village continues to build these massive new buildings. Uh, we're going to break ground on a new Kennedy airport expansion soon. Uh, there's just so much, right? That's going to happen in the next 10 years. And the investment is in New York. So yes, there are other great cities. There are other places doing a lot of things, but nobody doesn't like New York. Yep. No one comes out of a crisis like New York, and anywhere you go, any place you want to be, there is no place like New York to invest your money in, to create jobs, and to build your future. That's the bottom line, Josh. And at the end of the day, we're all in this for the same thing, which is make New York the best place to live, make New York the best place to invest and see a return, the best place to visit the best place to eat, the best place to have fun. It's got everything. So I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the continued growth of New York. And and I'm ready for billions of dollars in federal money so that we can do even more
0: We're all waiting for it. It'll be great for the economy.
1: It's going to happen soon.
0: I feel like every leader of any organization has learned something or taken something away From, you know, working with the team and working with, uh, you know, the people that you kind of manage, whether that's your members or us with our advertisers and readers. What have you personally learned through this pandemic of leading an organization? Anything you could just share in terms of leadership skills or other things that you took out of running um, the building Congress during the pandemic? Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll tell you a couple of things. One was paying attention. Listening to our members, being available for them. I can tell you that from March 15th of 2020 through at least the middle of June, I would be on the phone with members at 6 a.m. You know, you forget this is an industry that's up early. So while I may not be a 6 a.m. guy, uh, <laughs> the folks put the boots on the ground, 6 a.m., they're already on their third cup of coffee. Time, so. mm. We were on the phone early. We were focused early. The other thing I found was personal attention goes a long way. You know, Everybody, every organization, every media outlet sends emails out every day about the pandemic, about this and that. And we, we will all agree that we got tired of a lot of emails. And, and by the way, we send out emails three days a week with updates. But I decided early on that I was going to write a personal email that my staff was not allowed to edit other than for grammar. So my message was my message, and the way I wrote it was the way I wrote it. And it went out, at least in the beginning, every Saturday morning. And it was literally a personal message for me. And it was things like, I don't know about you, but I'm miserable being told Or I learned how to perfect my meatball recipe and here it is. Or I was pissed off that Billy Joel canceled his concert because I had second row seats, you know, for March, I forget, 13th or 14th. The responses to those personal emails were not only numerous, there were hundreds of them, hundreds of them, but they were touching. And it was simple, like you know, you made us feel better. You made us not have to read about 800 deaths in New York every day. You made us just kind of laugh a little bit on the weekend. Uh, you made us realize that you were actually into what you were doing and paying attention and focused on people, not just numbers and everything. And and I could say that at the end of 2020. We had a 100% membership renewal rate.
0: Wow. Congratulations.
1: And, and, and by the way, for 2021, we just did a hundred percent renewal rate today.
0: So That's
1: amazing. easy, but I think it was because of the personal attention that my staff, the team and I gave to our members. It was simple. Um, you know, and I would, I would write these emails and bitch about not having a nanny for three months and taking care of my daughter, who was five at the time, and my mother, who was 82. And people would be like, oh my God, I've got five kids running around the house. I know what you're going through. And it just became a moment where we all connected and we all understood each other. And, And then I think it became a moment where we said, this is not really that bad. I mean, we're sitting home. We're with our kids, with our families. We're making dinner. We're not out every night anymore. And there are a lot of people who have a lot less than we do. And so let's turn our attention now to those who have a lot less and how can we do for them. So to me, that was what I took out of the the pandemic. And and I, I have to say, I wouldn't trade it because it was an important moment for humanity. It was an important moment for all of us to kind of reset how we operate, how we think, And, you know, I think we, we learned hopefully to be grateful for what we have done.
0: Yeah, no, those are really good points. I love it. But something tells me you also give your members a lot of value. I know that I'm, I'm sure it's they now, love we, emails, but you definitely give them a lot of value. because That's really now, incredible.
1: You and I know it's, it's you know, I can be the nicest guy in the world, but what's my return on investment? And we give you value.
0: And that's amazing.
1: Now we're back to in-person things. We're celebrating our hundredth anniversary. We've had a couple of events. We have our hundredth anniversary ball on November eighteenth at the Javis Center, Oh wow! Uh, got like already a thousand people, and it's going to be the hottest. So we're we're bringing people back together. We are giving them a reason to be members. We're helping them make money, right? Because the end of the day, you're in business, you got to make some money and help them connect with the people that can help them do all the great things they
0: do. So, I love it. Well, continued success, Carl. It's so good to see you and catch up. And obviously, you're doing an amazing job. Look at You're holding an event that you, you're going to sell out uh, the biggest venue in New York City. <laughs> I love
1: it. When, when I just say we're sold out at Javis, I feel like I should just retire at that moment. Totally, we are, we are getting close.
0: I love it. Well, Carl, thanks again for taking the time.
1: Thanks, Josh. I hope to see you in person.
0: Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.